Hi everyone. Before we start, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge all my black friends, colleagues, and listeners. I stand with each and every one of you. I am and will continue to do the work to practice anti-racism, allyship, and solidarity. I will continue to examine my own privilege to identify ways to spend it generously. And I will continue to step into the muck and examine my beliefs in an effort to account and unlearn my own racism. I was with you yesterday, and I'll be with you today and tomorrow, because your fight is my fight. For all the listeners who might want to examine their own racism and what they can do to fix it, I encourage all of you to learn from the incredible men and women who've been featured on the show. Some of the episodes to start with include Nicole Hannah-Jones, who unpacks slavery in the 1619 Project, Minda Hartz, who shares how black women can secure their seat, Vernay Myers, who explains how to lead through a crisis, Monique Morris, who shares how black girls are criminalized in school, Darnell Moore, who shares his journey on being a black queer man in America, Danica Travis, who explains the emotional tax that black women experience at work, and Jada Gomez, who reveals why it's so important to celebrate black joy. Lastly, for all my listeners in America today, please take care of yourselves during this difficult time. I think in terms of leadership in my organization at the time, I think the big challenge was just the sheer shock of a privileged white male sharp-suited public schoolboy coming out and going, actually, I'm transgender and I prefer to be called Jennifer. I think that was a real shock for them. And I think most of the senior team live in a bubble of privilege and they live in a bubble where there is very little social diversity. So they've probably never knowingly met a transgender person before. And so I think for leaders, the challenge is to not judge. It's to support, to be open-minded and to value you as a human, show empathy and make sure you feel safe, part of a community and supported. I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Transitioning from one gender to another takes a significant mental and emotional toll on an individual. Coming out to your family, friends, and co-workers is nothing short of terrifying. Will you be accepted, respected, and valued in the same way? For those who don't know, transgender is a term used to refer to people who don't identify with the biological sex they were assigned at birth or with standard societal expectations of male and female gender roles. Making the decision to change or transition your biological sex and gender role is probably one of the biggest decisions you can make in life because gender and biological sex are such a huge part of an individual's identity. No two transitions are alike. 
The specific steps of transition and their timing can vary, and individuals have different preferences about how widely they want their transitions to be announced. However, there are actions that every workplace can take to support employees through this process. So today you'll be hearing from Jennifer Fountain, who transitioned from male to female while working at a different role and organisation to her current position and employer. On this episode, Jennifer will share her experiences and advice on how we can support employees with transitioning at work. Transgender people come from every region of the United States and around the world, from every racial and ethnic background, and from every faith community. Transgender people are your classmates, your co-workers, your neighbours, and your friends. With approximately 1.4 million transgender adults in the United States and millions more around the world, chances are that you've met a transgender person, even if you don't know it. Here, Jennifer Fountain shares when she first realised that she was transgender and the process she's had to undertake in letting other people know. I think the story is quite common with many trans people in that I've known since childhood. When I went to primary school, it was predominantly female environment and I felt very comfortable in that space. All my friends were female. It was kind of normal. At the age of 11, I passed a scholarship exam to go to old-fashioned traditional English boarding school. I was actually a day pupil, but you know, it's the first time in my life I went to an environment where there was enough boys in the class to have a full game of football, 11 each side, and rapidly realised I knew nothing about what that meant, playing football, played rugby, cricket, none of that was ever me. And... At public school, you rapidly learn to conform. You rapidly learn to don armour to protect you. And I think armour was the right phrase. In my first year at school, I played the lead role in the school play, which was the thwarting of Baron Bolligrew. And I was Baron in a suit of armour. And I think that armour just got metaphorically thicker and thicker throughout that period of school, dealing with bullying, of not conforming with the system, not fully understanding the younger years, why quite I didn't fit, and using drama as a means of having creativity, being able to express myself in an all-boys school that you always need somebody to play a female role. It's very easy. And you can make that happen whilst looking reluctant and try and get some sense of calm. I think camouflage, dealing with bullying became the normal there. And I was very excited about the step in going to university. I went to University College London, again, famous, a big old university. And I was stunned actually that London wasn't as liberal as I thought it was going to be. I realised it was actually probably less safe to come out than I was hoping anyway. And so conform, conform, conform. And throughout my upbringing, I've been brought up by my grandparents. You know, my grandfather fought in um, World War II. Very old-fashioned, very, very conservative. And so conform, conform. And I went into from university, having been hiding in the closet. I'm dressed a bit when I could, but not as much as I'd have liked. And then hid for a very, very long time. And it was always inside me. It was always tearing me apart. I was always buying the odd thing and hiding it feeling guilty, throwing things away, hiding, 
hiding. And then approximately three years ago, four years ago, I was quite unhappy, a lot of pressure in my personal life, my professional life. And I think a lot of things came on top of me. And that was when I finally admitted to myself who I was. Um, it's the first time I ever actually really dressed up properly with hair, with a wig, with makeup, with clothes. And I went out and I had a good time and I realized that actually I could roughly pass and I could probably live my life the way I wanted to. And I spent another six months just dressing in my free time, going out, trying to find out who I was and um, ultimately realized who I wanted to be. At that point, I set about the plan to come out in the workplace. I'd come out to my family at this stage. My wife was deeply unhappy, very upset. Um, my mother was very supportive and has grown to really love having a daughter. That's the one silver lining of this journey. And um, well, the other one is me being happy to be me. People can realise that they're transgender at any age. Some people can trace their awareness back to their earlier memories. They just knew. Others may need more time to realise that they're transgender. Some people may spend years feeling like they don't fit in, without really understanding why, or may try to avoid thinking or talking about their gender out of fear, shame or confusion. Trying to repress or change one's gender identity doesn't work. In fact, it can be very painful and damaging to one's mental and emotional health. As transgender people become more visible in the media and in community life, more transgender people are able to name and understand their own experiences and may feel safer and more comfortable sharing it with others. For many transgender people, recognizing who they are and deciding to start gender transition can take a lot of reflection. Transgender people risk social stigma, discrimination and harassment when they tell other people who they really are. Here, Jennifer shares how she faced these challenges and came out at work. Coming out in the workplace was probably the hardest piece of this in that you rapidly learned who your friends were, who your friends weren't. You learned who the allies were, you learned who the actually socially progressive people were. And I think the, the one thing I'd say to anybody there is don't judge and don't have preconceptions because the people you think will be amazing sometimes aren't. And some of the people you think are the biggest Luddites can be your biggest allies. You should never hold that bias because you know that could hold you back. You want them to have no bias of you, so don't have bias and preconception of others. Go with an open mind. And I think for me, coming out in the workplace was probably challenged in that I had quite a senior role in a big organisation. And I think the organisation was comfortable with the idea of transgender people. There were a number of them in the more junior grades but I was the first person at that level of seniority in any of the consulting firms to come out. And there was a big shock in terms of prejudice of what will our customers say? What will X say? What will Y say? And so the coming out process became very painful because I basically had to come out to a lot of my senior colleagues one-to-one, -one, then coming out to clients. And it just felt like a never-ending journey of telling a life story of feeling other people judge you, of dealing with just bizarre comments from I've never met a she-male before to God, you look hot, to just, oh, why are you telling me this? And that was a journey I found very tough in terms of the non-stop repetition 
and just the sheer confusion of people around me and not knowing what to do, what to say. You'd think that somebody had died. You'd think that we were talking about a death of a number of close colleagues rather than one person choosing to express their identity as their true self. And the flip side was some amazing people that were really supportive, really constructive. But I think the negatives take so much energy out of you and it is tough to keep focus on the good things that come out the other side at that point. When you get there, it's absolutely worth it. Living as somebody you aren't is horrible. But you know, it's just a case of being brave and going through that journey. And I think the quicker you can get it over and done with, the better. Because to use the cliche, today's news is yesterday's chip wrapping. That was so true. And when I came out to the wider firm, within five days, it was just totally, totally irrelevant to the majority of people who was actually dealing with that senior end, the client community that was very draining. But for most people, they've lived in more socially diverse circles. They know more people that maybe are um, LGBT or have different ways of living, alternative lifestyles, whatever it is, that people go, yeah, that's cool. And I think the other thing that I would say is that in coming out, once people met me, and met the real me, they kind of go, this makes sense, this is cool. It, it rapidly fades away because there's no sleaze, there's no mystique to it. And actually, it's just a normal girl who's just a bit taller and has a bit deeper voice. While an increasing number of organisations have added gender identity protections to their non-discrimination policies in recent years, Blanket rules alone won't necessarily mean employees feel comfortable bringing their authentic selves to work. Instead, experts agree that organisations need to undergo a transition of their own, one that aligns their policies and practices with the company's core values and involves both an ongoing education and commitment to employees who transition. Living without fear of discrimination and violence and being supported and affirmed in being who they are is critical for allowing transgender people to live healthy, safe, and fulfilling lives. Here, Jennifer shares what each of us can do to support a colleague through a transition. So I think the first thing I'd say to anybody, whether it's an organization or an individual, considering this is recognize the fact that some things will go wrong. Nothing is going to be perfect. Nothing is ever perfect in life. And just be pragmatic and be adult about it. And I think for me, one of the toughest moments was I was outed by a senior colleague in a lift, so a very confined space in front of a number of my junior employees. And that was horrific. And it was not malice on his behalf. It was just utter sleep-deprived stupidity. And I think quite often the, the tough things were never truly malicious. They were just stupid. And I recognize that, but I think when you go and talk to an HR team or your manager about that, they're so worried about litigation that they forget you as a human. It's really important that the HR team or your line management have got your back and you feel safe and protected. And I think for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways. And I say to anybody is, you know, whatever happens, just make sure you've got a safety net and the people respond around you understand because this can rapidly escalate into horrendous mental health issues. And you know, some communities, particularly the transgender community, has got the highest suicide rate statistically. You do not want to be causing incidents that make people go into those dark places. And so 
I think, you know, one thing is mistakes happen. The other is how you handle them. It's how you handle them that determines whether you're a good leader, a good manager, a good employer. I think in terms of leadership in my organization at the time, I think the big challenge was just the sheer shock of a privileged white male sharp-suited public schoolboy coming out and going, actually, I'm transgender and I prefer to be called Jennifer. I think that was a real shock for them. And I think most of the senior team live in a bubble of privilege and they live in a bubble where there is very little social diversity. So they've probably never knowingly met a transgender person before. They probably have very few contacts who are maybe gay couples, lesbian couples. They live in largely um, white upper class areas with traditional heterosexual couples with two kids at private school, a dog, and that's their lifestyle. That's their terms of reference and finding anything different was very hard. And so I think for leaders, the challenge is to not judge, it's to support, to be open-minded and to value you as a human, show empathy and make sure you feel safe, part of a community, supported and that you have a sense that you can belong. You know, we talk about authentic leadership all the time, but I think it's so important that people can be authentic in their identity as well. Finally, Jennifer shares the importance of allyship when transitioning at work and how each of us can practice it. I was really stunned when I found who some of my allies were. And I think, you know, what, what I would say is for anybody in that position, stand up, be counted and do the right thing. The most unpleasant activity I suffered was people choosing to look the other way. They saw bad things, but they chose not to see them. But actually, the people that really showed integrity, really showed personal leadership and huge compassion were the people that when they saw their peers doing something bad, held their peers to account. Because for somebody coming out, you've got enough battles to fight to know that there's a few other people fighting your battle for you and breaking down prejudice and breaking down discrimination. That gives you so much more confidence that you can walk tall to know that there are a few people that have got your back. Since coming out, whenever I've spoken at events, I'm always happier to put more time into events to encourage allies than I necessarily am to talk within a community about coming out because I think it's so important to make a safe place for others to come out. And that's where allies, I think holding your peers to account is incredibly powerful. And I think this is not just a transgender debate, it's a a debate in the workplace. I recently was copied on an email to a number of colleagues, and it was global leadership type email. And I was the only woman in the mailing group, and I got a reply from somebody overseas who didn't know me, replying to all saying, well, Jenny can set up the meeting because they'd assumed that I was a PA. And that's what many senior women get all the time, and it's just infuriating. Before I'd had a chance to write a semi-diplomatic email, a very senior male colleague sent an incredibly brutal email reply to all explaining the facts of life to the individual that had made the assumption that just because I was a woman, I was an EA. And I think that example from him had far more impact than if I'd written to the guy. When I first came out, one of my colleagues seemed incapable of calling me Jenny and kept dead naming me. And I'd just sit there and ignore him. And another senior colleague who sat next to me would sit there and would say, 
Oh, we don't have anybody named David working here. Um, were you looking for Jenny? Oh, did you mean Jenny? Or And would correct him every time really loudly. And it was so, it was too embarrassing to put pressure on the person that refused to call me Jenny to do so. Because as a peer of his, making him look silly in front of the entire office, who were all calling me Jennifer or Jenny, I feel that peer pressure was really powerful. And so I think allies who just stand up and fight some of those little battles that you ignore, because actually those little things add up throughout a working day. And having somebody covering your back like that, I think it's really powerful. And having somebody that when the guys are down the pub debating whether they'd have sex with the trans girl or not, says this is a crap conversation, this is really inappropriate, that's powerful. Jennifer's story is powerful, and I'm so grateful to her for sharing it. The challenges that she's had to face are unfortunately not that uncommon. To help mitigate these difficulties, the Human Rights Commission advises that every company develop business guidelines to support employees who are transitioning. This would include details on who in the business is charged with helping a transitioning employee, what a transitioning employee can expect from management, what management's expectations are for staff and transitioning employees, employee education on transitions, as well as any answers to frequently asked questions about dress codes and restroom use. And finally, what the general procedure is for implementing transition-related workplace changes, like adjusting personnel and administrative records, as well as a communication plan for co-workers and clients. I really encourage everyone listening to this to be an ally and check if your workplaces have developed these guidelines. If not, then maybe you can start the process in partnership with any trans colleagues or employee resource groups. I really hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, and at all major retailers. In The Fix, I share how gender inequality works, what the 17 most common barriers are that all women face, and how gender inequality creates challenges to men's fulfillment of work. Most importantly, in reading The Fix, you'll learn what you can do to remove these obstacles and how we can begin to make workplaces work for everyone. So get your copy today and let me know what you think by leaving a review on Amazon. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week. 